Create an Unstoppable Life, episode 164. Create an Unstoppable Life is all about mindset for the high achiever to help you build a life of fulfillment and freedom. I'm your host, Dina George, MD, a mindset and marketing coach and a family medicine physician. It's an honor to spend time with you today. Welcome back, my friends. How does one record an episode after last week? (laughs) Specifically an episode that stunned friends. (laughs) Thankfully, each week is simply about going on a journey together. The intention? Offer you something that helps you think about your life in a more meaningful way. Make more decisions, generate more momentum, move to what you really want what you really want to experience, what you really want to be, who you want to be, what you want to do that leaves an impact. Because friends, what we really want is not the donut. It's not sleeping in. It's not more quiet. What we really want is to live a life that matters, a life where we feel alive, where we see the effects of our efforts. We see and feel the magic of putting energy, putting focus and perseverance into something over time. What we want is to feel like we're enough, we're doing enough, we're being enough. What we bring is enough. Whether it's what we bring to a board meeting, the surgical suite, or a kid's event. What we want is to feel peace in our relationships, to feel like those relationships, they are mutual, loyal, and uplifting. Where we give and receive, we nurture and are nurtured. We renew and we are renewed. What we want is to be in a body that feels good, that moves where we want to go without stress or strain, and to do it regularly. So many humans, including us, don't have this. We're frustrated. We feel powerless. Our efforts don't feel like they matter, like they're not amounting to anything. We wake up, we exert a lot of energy, and at the end of the day, it just doesn't feel like anything's really different. Many humans are in relationships that are meh, okay, it's better than being alone, but really don't feel understood, aren't in environments where you can learn more about yourself, where you can challenge yourself to become more, where you're calling yourself to a higher standard. Many of us, and likely all of us in one or more areas of life, we get by, we tolerate, we hold on to, yeah, someday things will be different. A doctor recently shared her experience, her journey with me of waking up one day in her 20s and saying, what am I doing? Which led to an interesting journey of twists and turns and ups and downs and went to medical school and way beyond that and is doing amazing things now. We cope and we wonder, what am I doing wrong? We keep doing what we know how to do. We do what everyone else is doing. We wonder, what's wrong with me? Why am I not happy? Why isn't this good enough? (laughs) We're bored. We look around, but everyone else looks so happy. Why is that? In my last six months of active duty, I worked as an officer in charge, an OIC of a clinic, and it was interesting. It was constantly plugging new holes in a boat, and I ran out of fingers to stick in those holes. (laughs) So part of plugging those holes was seeing patients when someone else called in sick. And one day I had an appointment with a fourth or fifth grader brought in by mom for depression symptoms. 
And this kiddo was smart, had good eye contact, was engaging, was able to express how he felt. He didn't fit in. He was miserable. He didn't want to be there. He was bored. He was being made fun of by others. Any of this sound familiar? (laughs) 10 minutes into the visit, it was clear that he was creative and insightful and people just didn't understand him, including adults. Even his mom, who clearly cared about him, didn't see all that was going on and didn't see all the untapped potential within him. People didn't see past the pain to truly see what brought him alive. He was a swan among turkeys wondering what was wrong with him. Why isn't he like others? Why doesn't he like the things that others do? Why doesn't he fit in? Why are they making fun of him? Let's see. It's because you really are alone. You're around others who are also human, but that's about where the similarity ends. You're unique, you're special, you're creative, you're insightful. You want more, you believe in more, and you're unwrapping all of these gifts within you and learning what they are and how to use them. And other people aren't. It was amazing how he lit up. Like he felt seen and mom, her face brightened. It was a completely different visit. He didn't need medications. He needed a place. He needed people to see him, to guide him to becoming more of himself, to show him that who he is and who he's becoming is amazing and welcome and necessary. Anyone you know experienced this or have you experienced this? I just think how many kids by themselves have the internal fortitude to keep going and believing that they are special when others are telling them they're not? How many children have the external support to recognize and remind them that they are special and give them specific reasons why? Show them what they cannot see. They may have adults who care. I'm not not doubting or questioning that. And adults who love them. But what I'm talking about is going deeper and seeing them, the pain and the beauty, the gifts that are partially tapped or untapped. I'm guessing not many. And then we all go on to become adults. And for those of us who don't have those people in our lives, that we don't have that internal wiring to remind ourselves that we are special and to keep going, eh, we develop a life where yeah, we have a job, it's okay. The house, it's okay. The car, eh, it's okay. The friends, yeah, they're good. The kids, oh, there's a lot of time that we could spend talking about the kids and the accomplishments without referring to what's really happening at home. Sometimes that doesn't feel okay. So it's okay. We lead a life. It's okay. The donut, I really like donuts, especially Labades in Lewiston, Maine. I like donuts for about five minutes until the physical side effects set in. But I digress, the donuts, the social media, the glass of wine, the activity that blunts the restlessness and quiets the question, is this all there is? That all becomes necessary. That's survival, that's coping. So that we don't ask the question, is this really it? Or we don't ask it very often. And you can see, I've been asking myself this question and it's why the reserves has some appeal. And my work as a physician, is this all there is? Is it as good as it gets? Is this all we can do? Certainly there must be more. I see many people who suffer, some because of behaviors that they used to cope with their life, 
I'm starting to see more people who are younger than me. And I still ask, is this as good as it gets? Is this all there is? Big Love and I were on CMFI's podcast with Dr. Brian Cohen, and I shared my history of restlessness and the question, and then my response, because it's not that good. It's not that good treating heart failure, knowing that behind this person are many people on the road to developing heart failure or getting a diagnosis of it because it's already there, and knowing that our treatments are temporary. Treating the patient who was found down by the police doing a welfare check because no one's seen them in a week or so, because there are many people on the same road trying to live alone, believing they can, without the physical or mental capacity to truly take care of themselves, and without relationships with people who are invested, invested in their well-being. Is this as good as it gets, treating the homeless patient who's in DKA again? They have the ability to purchase insulin without a prescription, but what they don't have is anything that anchors them to take care of themselves, a reliable income or hope for the future, for a future that's different. And there are many people on the same road. Is this as good as it gets? Treating the patient with a devastating stroke who's the primary caregiver for their disabled adult child? Ah, knowing that there are many following in their footsteps. And I'm not picking on the individual. They are doing the best they can. I absolutely believe that. There's simply no end to it. There's no stop. And that's what hurts. That's where the frustration comes in. It's not like we do it and it's done. We do it and then we see there's more and more and more. And I love my specialty. Like I believe this is real medicine. We're taking complicated symptoms and diagnoses and lots of medications, complicated social situations, and making it into something, making a recipe out of it to figure out a way ahead. Our country is filled with brokenness and suffering. You'll find it just behind the smile on the social media posts that say, grateful for this life. It isn't about the perfect gift. It's about being seen, being heard being valued, being wanted. It isn't about what hasn't been done. It's about sharing the work of life and the ups and downs of a real life. And it's about having discernment for what's important and allowing things like the siding that needs to be replaced to simply wait. (laughs) Big smile. The farmhouse needs a little attention. That's a long introduction on this Friday before Thanksgiving. How do we do better? How do we become clearer on what we want, what we don't want, and put the habits and behaviors in place to support what we do want? Here's a suggestion. Make more decisions and make them more definitively, which means decide and take action. Because indecision is the silent killer, just like hypertension. I see a number of patients, and granted, my practice is in the hospital setting, but they report their normal blood pressure 160 to 180, and they don't really worry about it because they take their medicine, and they don't feel bad, they don't have a headache. Friends, that blood pressure is very high, and it's doing a ton of damage, and it needs more medications or a physician to intervene before the first heart attack or the next one before the first stroke or the next one, before the kidneys get worse. So if that's you or someone you love, go see your doctor. 
all the damage that's being done, it's being done quietly and it's not reversible. Indecision is similar. It's a thief. It's silently stealing our time and our energy. It's stealing opportunities or keeping us from even recognizing that they're there. It's turning people away, turning valuable people away that can help change the trajectory of our life. It's stealing what you cannot get back, your time, your motivation. I was in Bucky's recently. Bucky's is a Texas experience, maybe other states too. It's this ginormous gas station and inside is our drinks and restrooms and gifts and lots of food. And the amount of indecision that I witnessed among customers was incredible. Like people looking around, do I want this? Do I want that? I can't decide. And then asking the person they're with, what do you want? Where do you want to go? What do you want to buy? Spending time in ordering and then going back to the different aisles and rethinking and then asking, is there anything else? It was amazing. Amazing to watch people truly look lost. They simply didn't know. And maybe they were overwhelmed. Maybe they were tired from travel. But here's what it looked like. They didn't want to make a decision and risk having the wrong thing, buying the wrong thing, or not having enough. 99.9% of decisions made at any gas station and convenience store are not life-threatening. And we'll leave the margin 0.1% for people who are experiencing a real medical emergency or other emergency. Going back to indecision, it's wandering around in a state of, I don't know, not making decisions, spending a lot of time, a lot of energy, and probably a lot of money on all the possibilities. Because what do you want to eat? What do you want to watch on TV? What do you want to read? How do you want to spend time? Where do you want to go on vacation? How long do you want to be there? What do you want to do this weekend? Indecision. Keep all the options open and it keeps us stuck. It allows the fear of missing out to become very real and grow. And it keeps us in belief that there is one answer. There's one right answer. We have to find that one right answer. We have to do it all. We can't miss out. It's too risky. We don't want to be wrong. It's interesting to think about where indecision comes from. Here's what I see. It's believing that we don't know enough. It's believing there's only one right decision and we cannot make the wrong decision. It's putting high stakes on every decision and believing that an exhaustive amount of research is necessary. It's important. So I recently heard from my coach about Jeff Bezos, the founder of Amazon, and how he approaches decisions. He categorizes them into two types. Type one, reversible with low consequences, like a two-way door. You walk through, you see what's there, and you can walk back out. And type two, irreversible, high consequences, one-way doors. You walk through, that's it. You may be able to walk back, but it's going to require an exhaustive amount of effort. Our beautiful human brain, it perceives many decisions as high consequences, irreversible type two. Which item on the menu? I have to choose the right one. Which candy bar? Which gas station are we going to stop at? Which vacation destination? It's all or nothing. We have to get it right. There is only one option. Don't make the wrong decision. Spend the time it takes. Do the research. Weigh the pros and cons. Think about it. Be sure before you make a decision. 
And we're just talking about like that process for simple decisions we make. Think about how many decisions we make with others or for others. And we go through that same exhaustive process. You got to get it right. It's high stakes, except it's not. It's not even close. Choose one candy. And when you remember why you didn't like it, you stop it in the next place and you get a different one. Choose one item on the menu. And if you don't like it, you choose another one. Or you eat enough of it to satisfy your hunger. Or you trade it with someone. Our brains aren't wired to consider high stakes or low stakes, usually at all, and especially not in the beginning. We're wired to believe that all decisions are type two. They're a big deal. You got to get it right because there's no going back. This is forever. (laughs) And high achievers, especially physicians, we inflate this even more. We're making decisions for patients and we put even more pressure on ourselves to get it right. There is no other choice. We tell ourselves people will die if I make the wrong decision. Yet most of our decisions don't cause death. There's so much we can't possibly know. Like we can't know how the individual is going to interact with a medication before they've had it. We can't know what the identification and sensitivities for a bacteria are until we get the culture back in a couple days. We choose a place to start. We follow up. We choose a dose to start with. We follow up. We adjust. We choose a medication based on what we're treating. We make type 1 decisions with the information available today. There are type 2 decisions in medicine, and I don't want to downplay that. Like recognizing and treating anaphylaxis, responding to a code blue, the decision to take somebody to surgery and how you respond in the surgery based on what you see. There are type two decisions in life, like marriage, deciding to have children, decisions that require slowing down, having thoughtful conversations, seeing options from multiple viewpoints, looking at what life can look like in six months, a year, 10 years, 20 years. So how do you become more decisive? First, determine, is this a type one low consequence, easily reversible decision, or a type two, high consequence, irreversible. Number two, decide what you're really deciding. Last week, I talked about the reserves, part-time service, limited commitment, likely two or three years. Ultimately, it's a type one decision. But notice I'm not deciding yes or no on the reserves. I'm deciding to take the next step or not. And the next step is talking with a recruiter. That's it. There's not enough information right now to decide yes or no on joining the reserves or not. The next step, very low consequence. Decision, yes, move forward. Our mind not only makes things high consequence, but presents the decision as massive. That we have to know exactly what it's all going to look like and how it's going to turn out. And we can't possibly know. High blood pressure, diagnosis made, doing nothing is not a good option. Starting treatment, where do we want to start? By asking the question, are you committed to changing the way you eat and how you move your body? If yes, start there. That's what I would talk about with a patient. If no, we need some more options. Okay. Do I want to move? Do I want to change cities? Big question. It sounds very type two, right? If I do it, it's forever. There's no going back. There's no changing my mind. 
Except this is really a type one decision. It's not forever. You can change your mind. It's not one big decision. It's a thousand small decisions. Do I want to quit my job? Same thing. It sounds very type two, high consequence, irreversible, but it's not. You're clearly employable and you're educated and you were resourceful enough to find this job. You take that all with you wherever you go. It's a type one decision. What's the decision that I'm making at this moment? What do I want to explore? What do I want to say yes to? How do I want to move forward? Ironically, the one thing I hear repeatedly, I wish I would have done this years ago. People realize after the fact that delaying the decision or doing more research simply held them back. They wish that they decided years ago to leave, to start, to pursue, and realize all the unnecessary suffering they experienced and the delay they experienced. It's wild, right? All the indecision and the excuses and the suffering and the telling ourselves that we don't know. We have to wait. We have to research more. It's unnecessary most of the time. Do I choose Dubsado or HoneyBooks? Yes, choose one. Max it out and then go to the next level. Do I choose Podbean or Libsyn or this podcast host? Yes, choose one. It really doesn't matter. Max it out and go to the next level. Edit it myself or hire someone. My friends, these are all type one decisions. They really are not a big deal. You can change. You actually will spend less time reversing your decision choosing something else and moving on, then you will in the research, the debate, the seeking other people's opinions, the debating some more, the worrying about the decision and then making the decision. You can save all that. Making the decision allows you to move on. It gives you more confidence to you because you realize I have more clarity. I have purpose. I know what I'm moving towards and I will take whatever comes. It is beautiful to make decisions. Fear, doubt, uncertainty, they're right there with you. They'll be dressed up in scary costumes, telling you that it's forever, you can never go back, you have to be certain, and it has to be right. But very few decisions are like that. Most are reversible, low cost, low consequence. They do commit you to action. They commit you to a path, a course, a way forward. Yes, it is scary. You'll feel alone. Your mind will debate on whether or not you made the right decision. You'll want to know what other people would have done. You may even want to know how people are judging you. (laughs) Here's what you do instead. Here are the elements to pack with you on this journey. Trust, faith, belief, purpose, love, and grace. Trust that you can figure it out. Faith that you know everything you need to know at this moment and this is the way forward. Belief that this is important and you're ready. Purpose to know what you're moving towards. Love for yourself, no matter what. Great decision, fantastic. Love for yourself. Decision that you realized was not, did not turn out the way you wanted it to. Great. Love for yourself. And finally, grace for when adversity comes. It will. It comes for all of us. No one is immune. Give yourself grace. See the type one decisions all around you and make them. Close the loop on all the things that want to swirl you around and keep you in indecision so that you can stop the what ifs. 
Decide, move on. Decisions will bring you more meaning, more purpose, and more value. And when they don't, choose another way. It's not about the donut. There's not one single type one decision that will change your life. It's hundreds or thousands of them. And it's sticking to the same decision a hundred or thousand times. Be clear on the type two decisions and slow down. Be discerning, invite in trusted advisors. See the decision options from multiple angles and know exactly what you're deciding. You know, even marriage isn't one single decision. It's meeting someone and deciding if you want to talk to them again. It's choosing to ask their values and seeing if they line up with yours. It's deciding on a first date. And then after you experience it, deciding on a second date. It's deciding to introduce them to a treasured person in your life. It's deciding when or if to share what's important to you, your hopes, your dreams, your secrets. There are thousands of decisions that lead to a decision of yes or no on marriage. You don't have to know all the answers and you can't. Rushing the process does not help you make a better decision. So ask, what really is the decision right now? Is it a type one or type two? When it's time to make a decision, and chances are it's right now, what do I want? This is the path to feeling fully alive to living a life that matters, to experiencing a life that builds others up, to having the peace of enoughness and being in a body that feels amazing and being in relationships with others that are nurturing and doing things that live on. It may even lead to serving in the reserves. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I'm throwing that in for humor. And sending a warm hug and thank you to all for being on this journey with me. Decisions can be easy, fun, meaningful, light, humorous, and with a whole lot less suffering. You can borrow my belief. I am sending you so much love and the warmest of hugs and the deepest of belief in you. You matter, that inner voice matters, and what you truly want matters. I'll see you next week. Ciao.